Okay, we're back. The crew is together, albeit from different parts of this great country. Ted Robinson, Michael Molinari, I'm Yogi Roth. Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. It is mid to late August. Normally, we'd be talking ball, we'd be prepping for a week zero game. But, fellas, we are, Ted and I at least are in our home, own homes. Michael, your t-shirt says fun guy. You're somewhere fun. You're around sports. Fellas, how, how are we doing, Michael? I'll, I'll start with you. I'm in Lake Buena Vista, uh, not Orlando, in the NBA bubble. I would call it the uh, the mini bubble. The TV people aren't in the true strict bubble. We're in a, uh, I'd call it the minor bubble. So, but everybody here in this bubble is tested every three days, and uh, we're following a lot of strict guidelines. And um, I probably have been involved in at least 20 games already. And it's just amazing how fast these games come Two tomorrow, uh, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, and they just keep rolling along. Playoffs started Monday, which is makes them all the more important and exciting, but it's, uh, I am privileged and happy to be here and very thankful. And, uh, that's, that's what I'd say overall. All right, Yogi, let's, let's, Okay, that was a nice facade from Michael. <laughs> right to the Michael, what yeah. did you shoot yesterday? <laughs> you know, uh, 85, which for me is pretty good. <laughs> yes, yeah, that is pretty good for Wait me. Wait a minute. Were you counting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't counting like some executives. I was actually counting. <laughs> okay. Um, I had a triple in there, Ted, a triple with wow. an, 80, an 85 with a triple. That's, wow. that's about as good as I can do. Um, yeah, I'm probably... On the off days, there's some golf facilities here, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it clears the it clears the mind. And, and you know what, Yogi, I, I, we've talked about this offline. I think what Michael's living through right now, though, with the NBA, and I'm watching a lot of hockey from the Canadian cities, and it's the same thing. And I think that's so valuable right now because not only is it just live sports for us to watch, but it's hope because the, both both of these sports are proving to me or at least right now they're proving that the sport isn't the problem you can play the sport without being super spreaders it's activity outside the sport that is the challenge and it's what campuses not in the pack but campuses in other parts and other conferences are finding out the same thing but to me the fact that the NBA and the NHL albeit these are bubbles and these are bubble concepts that are going to be extraordinarily difficult for colleges to pull off but the fact that the sports are being played to me is a huge it's hope is what we all need right now yeah and and michael um i want to follow up on you because it's been fun watching the nba because it doesn't feel weird anymore like like so what's going into it like is it are they tighter shots like how do you make it as though like i don't feel as though twenty thousand fans should be there i thought the league actually did a nice job with their giant screens that surround the court to give it some atmosphere it's a bit video game-ish for some, and it's not traditional, but it's the best alternative they had. And, you know, there's people that get these virtual fans. You've probably seen some close-up of people. So they go through the team if they're season ticket holders, and they're, they actually get to watch in a monitor because we had one of our announcers do it during one of the games from home. And their monitor is about half a second delay. So they're really – they're seeing, and they can kind of interact to the game right away. Uh, people at home – your TV is 10 second delayed because of uh, the language you can hear now during games because there's no fans. So you had, they had to make a special way for people in their computer to watch it instantaneously. So the reactions would make sense. So I thought that was a really cool idea. The NBA put in and then the crowd noise. I'm a purist. 
but I think it helps. So the crowd noise is essentially fake crowd noise that's brought in. They pipe it in a little bit so the players can hear it, but it's, um, it's not as loud on the court as it sounds on TV. Um, but I thought they've done it overall. I thought they did a pretty good job doing what they could to give it an, an experience. And it, I, I feel it's a little video game-ish, but a good way. Yeah. Yogi, um, this, the, the sound, the piped in noise that Michael's talking about. So I've, I've really been a fan of it in baseball because I think baseball, which is by nature a background sport, it doesn't really grab you, but the crowd noise, the piped in crowd noise keeps you connected. You understand there's actually a game going on if you're not watching and frozen on every pitch. But what I really would love to hear, and Michael explained why the 10 second delays, it would be phenomenal to be able to hear people mic'd. (laughs) And, and, And Yogi, what would you pay to have Michael Molinari mic'd for a game? <laughs> oh, my God. We're mic'd. Uh, you and I are mic'd during games. Why can't we have Michael mic'd during a game? Wouldn't well, that be awesome? I'll, I'll tell you what. So for the listeners that track us on the Pac-12 Networks, you know, Michael is very calm when he talks to Ted and I, right, or Lewis <laughs> on the sideline. Hey, guys, we're going to go to this. What do you think of that? Every once in a while, it happens maybe once a year. Maybe you might do it on purpose. You don't turn the off button, and we hear you, like, fully, full throttle. Engage, engage is the word. Engage. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it is awesome. So, yeah, I would pay a lot for that right now, for sure. That, that'd be nine ninety nine a month, totally. Yeah, that's a, that's a cable special, for sure. <laughs> Well, you know, guys, what, we're, what we you know, what we need to figure out, and it's going to obviously be the NFL that's going to be now the first thing, is can you play football? Because this hasn't happened yet. All the conversations, and I know fans, especially if you're listening to us right now, you don't want to hear any more COVID talk. I get that. Uh, it's Unfortunately, it's running the Pac-12 right now. It's running the Big Ten, and I think it's going to run the other conferences before much longer. Uh, but we haven't had a, there hasn't really even been a, pra, a real hard practice yet, let alone a game, for us to see what basketball and hockey and baseball are doing, which is showing the games themselves are not transmitting virus. Um, and, and so I'm, I got to be honest, I'm, I'm rooting like heck for the NFL to pull this off. I want the NFL to be able to show that we can play football. I don't know how, I'm not a medical expert, but I want them to show that you can play football as long as the people are responsible. <laughs> which is the biggest thing, right? That we can play football because that's the hope that the Pac-12 needs to see, right? That's so that we can come back and play sometime after the first of the year. Yeah, you know, it's going to be so interesting. Like, you know, you guys know me, I love recruiting. So I'll watch like high school Twitter videos at night in between like this little man crying or waking up to feed a little over a month old. And, uh, and I'm like, man, they're full on, like in Utah. Full on high school football. Like there's been games already. So I, I'm so curious for this season of obviously Pac-12, Big Ten. No, I, my gut is that all of college football doesn't complete a full season. But like there's going to be high school teams that complete a full season. Maybe there's NFL teams. Like it's going to be fascinating to track. So, so with that said, here we are mid to late August. I want to ask both of you, and, and Ted, I'll start with you first. What, what do you miss most like right now? Where would you be right now if this was a normal training camp? Well, what we had talked, Scott, probably feels like seven years ago, we had talked about going out this August and doing a little, you know, you've done it. I was going to go with you and do a camp tour. Um, And, you know, that that would have been a fun thing to do because that is, to me, the uh, the one thing baseball has that no other sport has, and football should have it, is spring training. 
spring training has become a major money maker for baseball teams as well. But beyond that, it's it's just it's 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 the back to school month, right? You go back to school in March, and everybody's happy to see everybody. Nobody's burned out on anybody yet. <laughs> no one's mad at anybody yet. And as a fan, you go, guess what? Your team might win in March. Every team might win. You know, and even if your team is likely not going to win the World Series, you have hope they're going to be a good, it's going to be a good season. Football needs that. Football to me needs that. And it's going to need it even more in the college realm whenever we can play, see games played again. So that's what I miss. I miss that ability to be around people and build optimism and build hope. And I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, very strong watching baseball in particular. Baseball playing really what's, it's just, it's not even an asterisk season. It's just kind of a made, made uh, it's a, it's an improv year. They're improving everything, but to me, it's better than not playing. And I think they understood the damage that could be done to their sport in a longer term. If they didn't play something this year, I feel very much that way about football. Yeah, that's well said. How about you, Michael? Well, I have, I have three families. I have Melanie and the kids. I have my NBA family and I have my college football family. And Right now, it feels like those are the people I should be communicating with and seeing. And, and not only am I not doing that, but I know I'm not going to be doing that for a while. So without a doubt, that's what I miss. And I, I don't think it's hard to explain to people that don't travel as a team together. But if you've done that, that's what our football, our football team is, guys that have been with us all together for 8, 10, some 12 years. So not seeing those people and kind of feeling like we should is definitely what I miss the most right now. Yeah. For me, what I miss most is going to a practice, you know, Ted and I have done it countless times. Michael will go to SC and UCLA, usually every training camp is I miss seeing and hearing the competition. Like I miss walking from defensive linemen to linebackers to DBs to wideouts, the backs to the QBs to the offensive, like I miss seeing the competition and, and feeling it. And, and that's what training camp is because I, I do think of like, there's the stars and the next players below them that you're like, okay, are they going to elevate? And nobody knows what everybody did all off season. So that's what gets revealed. And those, those are the things that like, I feel myself like I'm like way more competitive in Uno right now with our five-year-old <laughs> than I ever have been because I just feel like I'm like missing, like talking, like hearing somebody talk trash and the DBs and the wideouts. And, you know, I, th- I think last year, just Julian Blackman and Jalen Johnson and Terrell Burgess, that secondary was so good at Utah. Hearing them talk and communicate. Um, I miss that. And I, and I bet players really miss that, you know, just to being in like some third down drill or inside drill, like being in the fire with your guys, the proverbial one. Um, I miss that the most. And, and I didn't, I didn't anticipate myself feeling that, that void. And you know what I'm going to miss guys when we get another couple of, when we turn past Labor Day and get into September when we should be doing games is I'm going to miss, obviously we'll miss the games that goes without saying, but I'm going to miss the Fridays with the home teams, with the players, with the players. I think that's been something and Michael and Yogi have done a great job of driving that the last couple of years where you, you know, it's not as easy in college. The access isn't as easy. Uh, The schools that do cooperate, I think reap a great benefit (laughs) because I think their players learn how to handle themselves in different situations. And as a result, we tell their stories much better. I mean, it's pretty, pretty elementary 
level thinking, but I'll miss that because it's, it's especially now as a grandfather here, you know, to, to be around young kids and getting to watch young kids change every day, which I've done during these last six months has been crazy. Well, it's the same thing with 18, you, you know, Yogi, I'm sure when you were coaching, you saw 18 year old kid comes in in August, he's a different kid in November, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. I forgot four words I'm going to miss. How great is ball? <laughs> <laughs> totally. We got to start off when we kick the season off, man. Jeez Louise. Um, okay. So when we do get to say how great is ball again, at least as of today, it's reported that the NCAA council, which, which to me, like NCAA college football will dedicate a podcast to it because they're kind of two different entities, but sometimes there's blurred lines, but they decided supposedly that, um, Student athletes can compete in any amount of competitions this year, and it will not count as a season of eligibility. So with that said, you could play four games, six games, 12 games, and still play next season. So ultimately, it's giving everyone a sixth year. What do you think about that? For some players that, you know, we thought they were entering their final stanza, Cam Bynum's a perfect example at Cal, their cornerback. We love talking to him. He's going to get a sixth year. Yeah. But what do you guys think about that? Well, I, Michael, I'll jump in first. Just say, uh, I think that only applies, well, it'll apply to the majority of players, but it won't apply to the top crust, right? And the top crust of players are not going to take advantage of that. They're going at some point. Uh, so I think that's, personally, I think it's great. Look, right now, there shouldn't be, in my view, there should not be anything instituted, enforced, that restricts players. Um, and it just, whether it be transfers, eligibilities, nothing right now. It, this is an extraordinary time for everyone. Don't penalize anybody. That's just, that's just a, that's a huge umbrella statement. I understand. Now let's winnow it down into the specifics. Um, I, uh, I spoke to a program yesterday that is very concerned because they know that with the delay of football, we're not going to have football in 2020, the players are going to leave. They're going to have their top crust players are going to go pro. They know it. It's just a function of when they announce it. It's going to happen to all the uh, of the top, you know, I don't know, you'll get a power five. You know, I'd say probably half the schools, maybe a little bit more, will have some players that will just say, I'm not going to play in the spring. I'm going pro. And that's reality. Nick Saban comes out yesterday, makes a statement that spring ball, because he's, he's clearly on the SEC bandwagon of we're going to play no matter how many people die. Um, and he's on the, the bandwagon saying, if we play in the spring, it'll be like JV football. And so I read that and I'm going, wow, man, don't say that. Now you're slamming your players, the under half of your team, the younger half of your team, which by the way, in a year or two are going to be your studs, right? I mean, in essence, at Alabama, you're not recruiting walk-ons. So wh whoever his quote JD is now are going to be his studs in a year or two. Why would you say that? And that's where why coaches have to me have to be extraordinarily careful about what they say in this in these moments. And quite frankly, shouldn't be asked about a whole lot of the stuff because their interests are very uh, understandably so, but they're very self-serving. And and uh, that so so overall, back to your original question to me. We shouldn't restrict people right now, guys. If if a guy wants to play, and if you know if a if a if a female volleyball play, I mean, this goes to the women volleyball players too, right? If they want to play a sixty, good for them. Go for it. They have to be enrolled in the school. You want to take master's program in something? Great, do it. Or you're extending your undergrad education? Great. I have no problem with that. 
Well, first, my brother's a coach, and I can definitely endorse coaches do not like anyone telling them what to do. So that's, <laughs> that's uncomfortable for coaches. Yes. But to the original question, you know, it popped a thought into my head when we were uh, leaving Las Vegas and they had announced we're going to play tomorrow, but with no fans. And then that morning at 9 a.m., the tournament's canceled. And then, bam, the NCAA tournament's canceled. But that morning, walking out of the hotel, I just happened to walk by ASU basketball team. And the look of disappointment on so many faces, if we can do anything to prevent that for athletes this year, I think I'm all for it. Because ultimately, they play because they love the game. And a lot of kids do. Some kids are going to make the pros, but most kids are playing. They've got four or five years opportunity to play this game. That's going to be it. So I think whatever we can do to give people another year, if this year's truncated, which it probably will be, I think that's a great decision. Yeah. So one point on players opting out, Jay Tefele from USC, probably the top defense, interior defensive lineman in this conference. He's opted out. He's going to the league. And I think, Ted, you're right. It's going to happen to a lot of the premier players and some that maybe aren't dubbed premier just yet, but could have had huge seasons. Like I'm so curious what Amon Ross St. Brown does, for instance, because he'll be three years out of high school. You know, um, famously, he said he's going to win three Heismans when he came out of high school. So uh, I'm excited. Mass off on that now, Yogi. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I, I think of what Michael just referenced, and I think of my own career, and every player that isn't elite, right? We all, when our careers were done, you all, and you say it in high school too, man, if I had it one more year, if I had my senior year, I know so much more now. So I think now is a great opportunity for those players that are going into their senior year to say, okay, I may not be a draft pick. I'm definitely going to get that sixth year. I'm definitely going to play. How can I take advantage of it? So I want to ask both of you this. You must have been around a lot. Um, what, what would you tell a football player right now who is – stripped away what he loves probably the most, which is the opportunity to compete in this game for this period of time. What would you tell him how to take advantage of this period of time? Ted, we'll start with you. Well, then that's a lead into what you put on Yogi. And for those who don't know, go to Yogi's Instagram about a week or so ago. I guess it was last week when the announce, the initial announcement came out from the pack. You, you just made a sparkling post. It was just fabulous. And words, you know, we, you sit there and you go, damn, I wish I'd thought to say that. <laughs> That's how good it was. And, uh, and you talked about the, just the value of, of what football means. All of the things that people who, and I watched it with my own son who played high school football and then played you know, basically club level in college that he loved it. And it, we, he loved it because of all of the, the, the qualities, the adjectives you used in your post. He wasn't going to play football for a living. He knew that from ninth grade on, but he, but he, he took positives out of the sport. Anyway, uh, then the other part you put out this week was about using the time. And Yogi put out this fabulous idea about using the time for internships. And I just, I read that and I went, oh my God, that is so right. And just in my own little world, I've talked to four or five 2020 college graduates during the pandemic, all of whom obviously get steered to me because they want to be broadcasters. And I basically told them all, uh, because I'm a New Yorker, so I believe in just being straight with people. At first, I tell them you're screwed. And they don't want to hear that. They're all stunned. I said, look, come on, guys. Look at where we are. People are firing. They're not hiring. Okay, so now what? Now what's your, your, your challenge is what do you do with this time? Be productive. 
do something productive with your time. And I got an email yesterday, shockingly, it was right at the same time Yogi, I'm reading Yogi's uh, uh, post, and I get an email from one of the young men that I'd spoken to uh, about May probably, and I told him, you know, think of something to do. Think of another program to go to. Think of some hobby you want to do something so that when the world does straighten out, you'll be better. You'll be better equipped to be hired. He He's going to Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern. He applied and was accepted. And that's one of the premier, you know, one of the two or three top tier schools in America. And I wrote him back and said, you just, that's, that's your Rhodes Scholar. You did the right thing. And by the time you finish Medill, whether or not the world is in better shape, you'll be better. And that's what I would tell Yogi to any of the players, and you've had how many reach out after your post, anything they do like that, any internship they take, any course outside of football they pursue, they'll be better off as a person, right? It, it, it's not going to make them a better football player, but it makes them a better human being. Well, number one, no one gets scared to me because no one wants to be a producer. Now, I don't know why, but I've never had anyone steered to You're me. You're a fun guy. <laughs> yes, I'm a fun guy. Yeah. Um, number two, you're, you're given an extra year of college, which when you're in college, you have no idea how great that is. So I think, as you guys have said, taking advantage of that extra year, what did you do in that time? And I'll just... I'm going to segue into what my daughter, who is uh, two years away from going to college, has done in this time. She decided she wanted to be a teen helpline, which is basically a teens call their peers and, you know, various problems or issues or whatever, just a, a teenage person to talk to. But it's a three-month commitment of three days a week for four hours training and learning. It's like a real serious deal. And, uh, she just completed everything and she's going to be like working the helpline and next month. And so that, that to me is the perfect thing you can do when you're given an opportunity to do something. What did you do during this time? And I think a lot of people in college and a lot of kids in high school, either by colleges or by future employers are going to be asked that. So I think, I think do it. Yogi suggests, do it. Ted suggests, but do something with your time productive and it will pay off immensely. So bravo to Kate Molinari for that. Well done. Seriously, that is awesome. All right, so Yogi, tell people about the reaction you've received to your post. Yeah, so basically I put out on social media my recommendations to athletes and for people involved in football. For us involved, we've got to continue to teach and bear that responsibility of when you get a mic or you get to be the producer and run a truck, you got to give back to the game. I think I think when you start taking – from the game too much, the game gets you. When you think you're bigger than the game, the game burns you. I've said this many times on air. When I heard, um, no offense, Ted, your uh, former head coach in Notre Dame, when I heard the opening press conference from um, Charlie Weiss when he said, we're never, uh, like, whatever, a st- strategic advantage because of me. I was like, that guy thinks he's bigger <laughs> than the game. And I'm not going to feel bad when the game says we're done. And and I don't. And And I know that's a personal shot, but I just, I just feel that way about this craft. I, same way as a broadcast. When you start making it about you, it, you know, and whenever, if I ever, ever get there, I tell Ted and Michael slap me down. Yeah. You know, it's not about that. So we have to give back through this game. So then how do we do it? We give advice, we give knowledge, all the principles the game teaches us. We shower people with that's one. Two is if you're in it, you've got this thing called the player card and the player card works when you're a player. 
And that means that you can email somebody with your Cal or Stanford or UCLA email address and get a response from anybody. So I've urged players to think of what they're interested in and create as many digital internships as possible. This does not need to be a semester. It does not need to be a year. This could be one Zoom session with Ted Robinson, mm -hmm. one Zoom session with Michael Molinari, three podcast editing sessions with us on this podcast. So I put it out there um, and it, it didn't go crazy, but a couple hundred people were into it. A bunch of head coaches, a bunch of coaches. And then all of a sudden my DM started getting flooded with players in this conference, as well as people outside the conference. Hey, I follow the Pac-12. I watch you and Ted. Can I get involved? I had one from my dad who was like, hey, I'm 40. I've never uh, chased my dream. I love podcasting and Pac-12 football. Can I help? So what it's done for me is that it's shown that, uh, one, there, there's a gap where players are like, yeah, I want to I do something, right? So I'm urging schools to fill that. Two, it's showing there's a desire and the willingness for them to reach out. Three, which surprised me, is that I got double the amount of messages from people that are not athletes, like uh, a guy that we've all met, an executive at Amazon who works on all the Amazon Prime video. Hey, connect me to anybody. People at all these companies that we're connected to, private equity firms, people that used to work at the Pac-12 networks and have gone somewhere else, they want to help too. So to me, it's being a catalyst to that conversation. Um, and away we go. Now, the fun part is, and the players don't know it yet, but I got an email going out later tonight to all 40 of them saying, all right, you want this internship to edit our podcast, produce our podcast, do our social on that? You got to give me a cover letter, a resume, and I want a one-minute video of what you're seeking. Because just because you're good, ain't going to get it. And, yeah. and I can't wait to find out. Because I, I called people at the NFL Network, other places, said, what do you do when you hire somebody? And that's exactly what they said. So let's treat it like that and use it as a test run of sorts for these young men to teach them to use the principles they learn on the field. And I know I'm a little long-winded, but I'm passionate about that because I hate when somebody says when their career is over, I don't know what to do. Because I feel like that, that's okay as long as you've tried, but if you haven't tried, then you missed a great opportunity of what that card offers you. I couldn't, Yogi, that is so well said. And I'm, I'm thrilled to hear the reaction from the business world. That's the nice part, that, that there's at least going to be avenues to connect people you'll find out through the cover letter process, you'll find out who really wants it, right? As opposed to who right. would prefer it to be hand-delivered. That's a big, and that, that's what employers generally look for. Um, and, and I just, I can't say enough about that. I think it's a fabulous, fabulous idea. I want to find out who wants to sit next to Molinari. Well, actually it won't be next. It'll be six feet away from Molinari. Yes. In the truck, right? I, I think uh, I don't think I've ever had a visitor to the truck who didn't say that was a pretty interesting and phenomenal experience. <laughs> it just euphemism. My, except my daughters. All you do is yell out letters and colors and numbers. I can do that. They're not impressed. You just talk to Ted. Um, but everybody else except Kate and Isabella. <laughs> impressed well think about that for a second and i just got off the phone with mark harlan the ad at utah and, and he said we're calling our seniors our super seniors and we have an entire staff dedicated not only helping them but everybody else who isn't playing find out what they're interested in and drop them into the community of campus such as he goes football players have never been involved in student government they're involved in student government the vp debate is going to be on their campus yeah. he goes we're getting our athletes involved and 
And, and that's really impressive to me. Um, as Britton Covey sent me a note last night too, hey, I don't know really what I want, but I'm kind of interested in media, right? And, and I just think that the universities, and ours do it, that lean into these guys, because as you just illustrated, Michael, even though we kind of laughed it off a little bit, it's within 100 feet from their stadium is an opportunity to explore how many seats are there in a truck, how many people work on a crew, 50, 100 based on the type of game to experience a career. And I remember when I was in college, I sat in the truck multiple times on Fridays. I'd go there and I'd, I'd meet Michael Fountain. I'd meet Ed Placey yeah. and still friends and people that guide me throughout my career, but they won't let me in. If I was just Yogi Roth from Pennsylvania, they let me in because I had my pit card and they wanted to learn probably about Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. And I told them a couple stories about it. <laughs> Always talk to the managers. That was Al McGuire's trip. That's right. Yeah. I was a manager. Hey, so no, but a couple of quick things when, when the first probably four or five years of the PAC 12 network, we we're very good about reaching into the campuses and reaching to the broadcast schools and broadcast students and having some of them work with us in various and assorted roles. And Michael, you've gotten to know, I mean, the Cronkite school at Arizona state, I think has always been probably the, the high standard of our conference with that. Um, this to me is an extension of what Yogi would you. This is an extension of that. It's having us, you know, even yeah, doing something with this podcast or connecting to other Pac-12 people outside of media. It's a way to do that. Knowing what you want to do right now, like the Britton Covey comment, not important. Britton Covey wants to do football right now. The point is opening up other doors for down the road is what's valuable. And the last thing. And I hope a lot of these athletes watch that. And it would be something we maybe ought to, I'm going to say it here, and maybe we put it out on a post. There was a film that aired about three weeks ago on HBO called The Weight of Gold. And it was really driven by Michael Phelps. But it was about Olympic athletes. And much of it was about the mental challenge and the mental health fights that Olympic athletes have post-Olympics, both in between and then when they're finally done. Because and they all, and, and I did a little tube talk with Apollo Ono about this very thing. And he was one of them. You, you're so channeled and so tunneled into just your sport for years that you don't have that opportunity. The minute your career's over, the, the athletic people pretty much move on. <laughs> they move on to next. And you're left with what now? And that's what right there. That's the point that all of these athletes should hear is that. At some point, they're going to face what now? Maybe it's after a 10-year NFL career. If it is, God bless them. But they're going to face that what now question. You did, Yogi. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember when I was in college, my freshman year, our fifth-year starting quarterback, Johnny Terman. I said, give me advice. And he goes, get three business cards a day whenever there's people at practice. So to me, that translates now. And if I'm a player at Utah, Cal, SC, your fan base is starved for football. Give them some give them a conversation a week, and then also take some of their knowledge, right? And I, I just think if it was me, I'd have a whiteboard that would be 20 ideas deep. And then I'd say, hey, to the communications director, alumni relations, connect me to 20 people that are involved in these things mm -hmm. and set up 20 phone calls and, and see what you're interested in because it, it, is, it is an interesting time in that regard. Um, okay, I, I want to pivot for, for all of us here. Uh, it was just announced that Merton Hanks was hired in the Pac-12 Conference to be the league's new senior associate commissioner for football operations. 
Uh, huge name in the Bay Area. Won a Super Bowl with the Niners, four Pro Bowls. He's been in the league, I think, 13 years, uh, and also has been in Conference USA over the last four. Huge on player safety. Big on player development, connecting players to the desires and dreams that they have post-football. Curious your guys' thoughts, initial reaction after this hire was made. Uh, impeccable credentials, obviously, and a hire that had to be made quick and was. And it seems like they found a very impressive person really quickly, which says something for our conference and, you know, being able to do that in with the difficulties that surround, you know, the last four months. So hats off to being able to do that. Yeah. Um, not just the the playing credentials you reference. You'll go also Merton worked in the NFL for a while and he was, it was player safety related. Um, so I've, I know him casually from my time with the 49ers and Merton's a good man. And, and I think what um, it, it speaks to is something that has been brought up bluntly about the conference over the last what eight years is, is having someone really having a football, uh, a very credible football point person. Right. Someone, Kevin Weiberg was that person before in the early years of the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 network. And then Kevin moved on. Uh, Merton Hanks is that person. He's that person. And that's a, to me, that's what it speaks. It's, it's a statement publicly to the 12 schools as well. Hey, you know, we have a football, big time football person in our conference office. Yeah, I'm excited. I had a chance to talk to him. We interviewed him on the Pac-12 Perspective podcast and, uh, He's excited about it. So it'll be fun, I'm sure, for Bay Area football fans. Uh, but I think for Pac-12 uh, football players, they're going to really enjoy the lens that, that he comes through. Okay, so with that said, uh, before we go to Michael, because not only do we want your NBA pick, who you think is going to win it all here is we're in the playoff, but do you have a humanity moment? So I'll let you think about that. Uh, okay. What we're going to do with this podcast over the course of the season is we're going to nerd out is basically what's going to happen. We're We're – we can't talk about COVID-19 anymore uh, unless crazy things happen, which I hope happen. And I hope my son can go to school and our kids can go to school. If that happens, we will have a podcast party. Um, but we're not going to talk about how football is postponed anymore. Right? We'll keep you updated on the spring schedule, but we're going to bring on guests to talk and teach ball. Every Friday, we would, as Ted referenced earlier, we would go in and have production meetings and Justin Wilcox would get on the whiteboard, right? Clay Helton would get on the whiteboard. We would go through film with David Shaw, and he'd talk about Bill Walsh and the West Coast offense. So we're going to bring people like that on and talk about the air raid, the run and shoot, three, four defenses. We're going to go there, um, and I think you're going to want it, and you're going to like it as a fan because you want football just like we do. So recommendations, send them our way on social, and, uh, and we'll get after it uh, to continue to populate this thing. Uh, go ahead. Tim, I hope, I can we get Leach from Starkville? What do you think? You know, he just called me the other day at 1241 in the morning, Pacific time. <laughs> of course. Of course. You're doing. Yeah. He's yeah. probably watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in the middle of the night. And so I'm going to call Yogi. What else? He, he would come on for sure. Um, but Michael, what, uh, what do you think about the NBA? And uh, you got a humanity moment because you've been around sports. Well, I have a, and this is going to be a good segue. This is a good segue. My two favorites, which, uh, not shocking after what the Bucks did yesterday and Lakers as well. I like my Portland would be my number two. And right now the LA Clippers led by fun guy, my pick to win it all. 
uh, and the segue into the humanity moment, the association our great friend Bill Walton has with both of those squads, obviously we won a championship with Portland, uh, played with and a great announcer of the Clippers forever. But uh, I had a chance to leave the, the minor bubble. You're allowed to do that. You just come back and quarantine for a day when you come back. And I got to, I met up with uh, Melly and the girls in North Dakota, which was my final state of all 50 states before age 50. So that's a proud moment for me. Uh, and then we went to Wyoming, South Dakota, stopped for lunch in Montana in a diner, which was fantastic. Everyone looked at us like it was like the music stopped when we walked in. They were very nice, but we were just out of place. Uh, got something to go. But walking through the Badlands in South Dakota, I don't know if you've ever been there, all at Bill Walton echoing in my head, the majesty, the 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 brilliant sunlight, lucky, great to be alive. And all I could, everywhere I looked, I just thought of Bill and what Bill would say. And I'm going to send Bill some photos. It's, I was like, please narrate these for me. But being with my family for three days, seeing nature's wonders, kind of just, as Ted said, you, why do you turn this podcast on? For about three days, I completely, I was safe, but COVID wasn't at the top of my mind or even like third or fourth. It was being in a beautiful place, that was desolate in a good way with my family. And it was, it was fantastic. So that's my humanity moment, kind of a couple things wrapped in, but uh, if you haven't been to Mount Rushmore devil's tower or the badlands, uh, highly recommend it. Okay. So as always, Yogi, those listeners, to the podcast know Michael speaks and then I translate. So <laughs> what, 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 what Michael really did was he used the badlands as a cover and the and the bad and I've been there too. The Badlands are the most, without question, the most unknown phenomenon in the United States because they literally are in the middle of nowhere. And I did the same thing with my kids, Michael, some years back. It's extraordinary. But what Michael really did was he put the kids in the motel just outside the Badlands, then he jumped on his giant butt Harley and went to Sturgis. Sturgis. Three hundred thousand. That's all... what he did, Yogi. That's what he did. <laughs> Someday I might go to Sturgis. There, I'll t- well, I'll tell you one thing motorcyclists and buffalo do not mix and i saw i was like this is not going to end well and then a couple days after i left there was an incident with one of she was okay but uh there was an incident with a buffalo and a biker and the the woman was okay but uh you knew it was going to happen they're just blazing through the the national parks and these buffalo are kind of looking like that's a loud thing i don't like and you just knew something was going to happen but thankfully she was okay yeah Wow. Okay. I love all that. Good insight. We, we've taken you everywhere from travel to back to all but more, Ted. And so, so Yog, one more thing. Let's, let's what, leave with one football note. And it is about structure because that's also been coming out as the 24 hours leading into us recording this pod is that there's apparently a pretty strong push within the Big Ten to play January, February, March which is something Stuart Mandel wrote about in The Athletic back in probably April or May. And I very much appreciate that because it was creative. It was, a, it was willing to think outside the box at a time that requires such. Um, and some of the, apparently some of the prominent coaches in the Big Ten are pushing that same thing to limit the number of players that might leave and opt out because of the NFL draft. Play, and then, of course, gives you better chance to play a real season in the fall of 21. So if the Big Ten is legit about thinking about this, is the Pac-12 also legit about thinking? That's, that's what the thought to leave with. 
Yeah, that's a great call. I know this, that the coaches are knee deep right now in dialogue around it from five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I mean, all the models are out there, but they're going for it. Um, for me, I'd love to see a six game schedule. I think that'd be pretty cool where you can still, well, it won't matter anymore in terms of saving the redshirt year. If everybody gets that sixth year, this is kind of like a, you know, it doesn't even count almost per se, but I'd be really curious to see if, if it's the big 10 and the PAC 12, they can align. Can you imagine a Rose bowl, big 10 champ, PAC 12 champ, and we'd own college football, but yeah. own it. And it would be amazing. So yeah, stay tuned for that stuff. That's yeah. going to be interesting. And the other the other thing that's pending right now for these schools and the NCAA was talking this week about a 12-hour um, week of activity during the fall for football. And the fall, all fall sports, actually, the all that have been canceled. Um, that would be necessary if you were going to try to do something like that. You balance that against the fact that Notre Dame, which is one of only three schools in America that has had all of its students on campus so far, just shut things down for two weeks yesterday as we're talking with the threat that if this doesn't stop off-campus stuff and super spreading, then we're going to send everybody home. And that includes football players. So that's some football backdrop here to end with. Well said, man. I like that. That's a good tease for the next episode because I'm sure things will continue to change. All right, that's Ted Robinson, Michael Molinari from The Bubble. We're all in our respective bubbles, as all of you are listening. Stay safe, stay positive, and share this conversation with somebody who loves fall. And we'll be back very soon as we continue to nerd out on Teddy Yogi's Back to Adventure. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.